0: listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates i'm
1: sarah Golseth.
0: it is friday december 6th
1: flannel friday well it's flannel friday for me you're wearing your crazy christmas sweater i am
0: (laughs) i'm wearing a crazy christmas sweater because well it's it's friday and it's advent and
1: it's st nicholas day
0: it is st nicholas day and we have um there there might have been something in the living room this morning
1: (laughs) for uh, family members there you go we didn't do that we're not nearly that exciting (laughs) but that's fine but you know what it is it
0: is it is also advent i know which means we get to talk about advent hymns today
1: which is super exciting (laughs) i'm pretty excited
0: Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin, at cuw.edu.
1: Live Uncommon.
0: Joining us by phone today, Matt Mockmer. He's Associate Cantor at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And uh, the willing guy who's always excited to talk <laughs> about hymns, especially Advent hymns, with us. Matt, thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today.
2: Thanks for having me back. Blessed Advent to you guys. Thanks to you as well. <laughs>
0: We have, we have a nice lineup of Advent hymns to get through in the next. 20-something minutes. So. Yeah.
1: We're going to run through
0: them. <laughs> Let's dig into them. All right. So so where do we want to start? I'll, I'll let Sarah ask the first question since <laughs> y- you lined this up and have lots I of did. good ideas of what you want to talk about because you're a hashtag hymn
1: Yeah. Um So actually what I want to start with is that the list that you gave us actually runs through uh, different themes in Advent hymns, and, and they're not all about... Um, Christmas, actually, or the or uh, the the coming of Christ as a child. What what are these themes uh, that we see in Advent hymnody? In, a, in just an overview, and then we'll dig into each one of them.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, I think there are several themes, and like you said, they are different and and maybe more varied than we often think. Mm-hmm. Um, one really strong theme that you see in the Advent hymns that you really don't see in many other hymns of other seasons or times of the church here is a strong parallel to the Old Testament and really bringing the Old Testament forward um, and putting it right in front of our face as a people who now live before the end times. You know, uh, the Old Testament saints were waiting for the coming Messiah. We are, in a sense, uh, waiting with them for the coming Messiah, but now we're waiting for His final coming on Judgment Day. Um, so that is one really pervasive theme in a lot of these hymns, is the use of Old Testament language, Old Testament imagery, but to interpret it in a more contemporary context, which is kind of cool. There's not really another time of the year that we get to do that. Um, a second theme is is the idea of Jesus as king, Jesus as a coming king. Um, and that gets played out in these hymns in a variety of ways that we can talk about, um, But this also kind of relates back to the Old Testament idea. Um, You know, Israel had many kings, but really only two of them were um, really successful kings, that being David and Solomon. Um, And so, you know, Israel's always waiting for the last great king, and that is, of course, uh, our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. So that's a a second theme. Um, One that gets, I think, a little bit more talk is the one of the comings of Christ, Um, you know, Christ coming um, as a babe in the manger in Bethlehem. This is what we focus on a lot during Advent. But these hymns also pick up on the themes of two other comings of Jesus, Um, his coming among us today in his word, in his sacraments, um, and our preparation for his final coming on the last day. So I, I guess theme number three would be the different comings of Christ, past, present, and future. Um, another significant theme uh, it has to do specifically with Christ's final coming. So it's almost kind of like a subcategory of what I was just talking about. Um, there's a lot of talk of judgment, end times, um, this kind of eschatological end times judgment of Christ at the end of all things, um, which plays really well into the end of the church year, which is the, type, the time of the year that we've just come through. It dovetails right into Advent. Um, and so we remember that even as he came once in the flesh, he's coming back. Um, and so that's another very pervasive idea in all of these hymns. I, I think the last theme I would like to draw out is the theme of hope, which is really related closely to this one of judgment and end times. We know that Christ is coming back. We know that when he comes back, he's coming back to judge the world. But as Christians, we don't see that day with fear and trembling. We see that day as a day of hope, Mm -hmm. a a day when creation is restored. We will be put back together without sin, and we will live forever with Christ. And and so that that theme of end-time judgment for us is not one of fear. It's one of hope. And joyful anticipation. So, five themes, and we could probably find more. But you know, twenty-five <laughs> minutes only lasts so long. So.
1: <laughs> this is true. It's kind of incredible how how much we pack into these four weeks of Advent, uh, or three three Sunday four Sundays, however it, however it lays out. Um, all of these different things that that we sing about, that we hear about, uh, as we await and, and anticipate the coming of Christ. So let's let's go back to that first one uh, when we hear about the Old Testament parallels. And that, and once you brought it up, that makes sense. There's all of these times that we talk about things uh, that were prophesied in the Old Testament. Um, and, and so, which which hymn do you want to uh, point out for this theme?
2: Sure. Well, um, here's a couple honorable mentions, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I didn't pick them just because I think they're probably more well-known, especially this first one, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, mm-hmm. is just drenched with Old Testament images. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is, O Savior, rend the heavens wide. Um, another great Old Testament hymn. Um, and it's it's a little more nuanced in its language. Um, but the one I want to talk about today is, Let the Earth Now Praise the Lord, and that's hymn 352 in LSB. Um, this hymn is kind of a freebie. It's got the same tune as Savior of the Nations Come. So if you know Savior of the Nations Come, you can sing Let the Earth Now Praise the Lord, too. Um, the thing that I think is really striking about this particular hymn that I really like is it does a really nice job of casting these Old Testament images in light of Christ. So, the the great benefit and the great gift that we have as New Testament era and now post New Testament era Christians is that we can look back on the Old Testament and see these things fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. That's something that the Old Testament saints never had the privilege to see. Um, And this hymn does a really cool job of showing these Old Testament images and these Old Testament sayings and how they are fulfilled in Christ and how he, you know, has become all of those things for the church. Um, The way the hymn breaks down is is kind of interesting. This first stanza, Let the earth now praise the Lord who has truly kept his word, and at at last to us did send Christ the sinner's help and friend. Um, That's really, you know, it just kind of sets the tone for the hymn. It's introductory material. We praise the Lord. Why do we do this? Because he sends Christ. He sends Christ because he truly keeps his word, that word that was written by the prophets um, over the course of thousands of years. Um, But you begin to get now some of this imagery in stanzas two and three. Um, Stanza two, what the fathers most desired, Father Abraham, for example, what the prophets heart inspired, what they longed for many a year, stands fulfilled in glory here. Christ is what the Old Testament is about. Christ is who the fathers and the prophets wrote about. And then we get even more specific in stanza three. Abram's promised great reward, Zion's helper, Jacob's Lord, him of twofold race, behold, so twofold race, God and man together, truly came as long foretold. So now we're even getting more specific. Abram's reward that was promised him is fulfilled in Jesus the helper of Zion, the one who would be Jacob's Lord, the one who restores Israel to its rightful place as a chosen people. This is Jesus. He's the one. Um, And now in stanzas four and five, now that he has come and he's redeemed us and made us his own, we might live like him. So as his coming was in peace, quiet, full of gentleness, let the same mind dwell in me, which is yours eternally. So, again, now that we have seen, seen this man, we've seen the fulfillment of all that the church has always waited for, now we have his spirit that we, we might live like him, live in him, and have the same mind in ourselves that he has. Um, probably, I think, the coolest stanza is five. Mm-hmm. Bruise for me the serpent's head, that set free from doubt and dread, I may cling to you in faith, safely kept through life and death. Um, Up until this point, you know, we've talked about a lot of things in the Old Testament era, but now we're going all the way back to Eden. Bruise for me the serpent's head. That serpent, even though he has been defeated, you know, still holds a lot of sway in our lives, and we're both sinners and saints simultaneously. And so now that we've been redeemed by Christ and we seek to live like him, we ask that he would help us in this, um, that he would set us free from our doubt and our dread and remind us that he has conquered Satan on our behalf, as he said he would all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And then verse six ends with his second coming. When you will come again as the glorious king to reign, I with joy will see your face freely ransomed by his grace. So, you know, it's a cool hymn because it takes those Old Testament prophecies and sheds them in the light of Christ.
0: And we get really this Alpha and Omega beginning and end theme, as you pointed out here in in stanzas five and six. We we have um, Genesis all the way to Revelation here, Alpha and Omega in these last two stanzas. We Only have, in
2: eight lines. <laughs> <pretty
0: much. laughs> and we have uh, several more hymns to pack in the next 15 <laughs> sure, minutes. Yeah. We could do it. Uh, we're talking That's with Matt that. Mockimer, Associate cantor at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, taking a look at Advent hymns. Stick around. You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Goldseth.
2: Mmm, it's that time of the year again for yummy Christmas cookies at Christ Memorial Lutheran Church, December 14th from 8 a.m. till noon. Lovely trays filled with over 100 different kinds of cookies. Christmas decorations and gifts are also for sale. Join us at Christ Memorial, December 14th, 5252 South Lindbergh for those yummy Christmas cookies The
0: next broadcast of Law & Gospel is our first open mic Friday during the Advent season. Perhaps you have a question about Advent, or you may have a question about what we spoke about this week on Law & Gospel. Tune in on the next broadcast.
2: Listen to Law & Gospel weekday mornings beginning at 9.30 on
0: KFUO.
1: (laughs) Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: I'm Andy Bates.
1: We're talking about Advent hymns, which is so exciting. Uh, We have... We have four more to get through, so we're gonna we're gonna jump right in. Uh, Matt Makamura, Associate Cantor at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, still with us, uh, talking through all of these uh, awesome themes that we hear in Advent hymnities. So we covered one hymn in the first segment, <laughs> two hours worth of hymns <laughs> in the next fifteen minutes. It. It, it's fine; it'll be fine. Um, about Old Testament parallels. So now we're moving on to the theme of Jesus as King. Uh, which hymn do you want to look at for this theme?
2: Let's take a look at hymn 339, Lift Up Your Heads You Everlasting Doors. Um this is a great it's it's quickly becoming one of my favorite Advent hymns and it's a newer hymn mm-hmm. both text and tune. Um the the text was written by by our very own fantastic LCMS hymn writer Stephen Starkey, Pastor one of, Starkey. One of the best. <laughs> yes, he's he's fantastic. Um and the interesting thing about this hymn is that it's it's a very close parallel to psalm twenty four which is a kingly psalm. Um so again, you have this Old Testament connection, even though that's not really the theme you know that I want to hit on for this hymn, but but it's paralleling psalm twenty four in some really interesting ways. Um, psalm twenty four is a classic advent psalm for the church. It's really been associated with this season for a very long time. Um, And so this hymn is kind of a recasting of that text. Um, What I've done here uh, in preparation for this morning is just taken a few phrases of the hymn, Lift Up Your Heads, and kind of juxtapose them up against some of the verses of the psalm so that you can hear how closely related these two texts are. You know, the psalm is, um, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. The city is getting ready for the approach of the king. Um, so listen to a couple of phrases here from stanza one. Lift up your heads, you everlasting doors, and weep no more. O oh, Zion's daughter, sing to greet your coming king. Wave the victor's palm and sing the ancient psalm. So you have some of these, these things that. Pastor Starkey has written for us, and if you put that up against verse 7 of the psalm, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Um, Here's some examples from stanza 2 of the hymn. Uh, Who is this king of great and glorious fame? What is his name? The Lord God of Sabaoth, of whom the prophets wrote, whose chosen humble steed declares him king indeed. And often throughout Psalm 24, we hear this repeating refrain, Who is this king of glory? Who is this king of glory? We're asking the question. Well, Starkey asks the question here in stanza 2 of his hymn, and then he answers it. (laughs) Whose chosen humble steed declares him king indeed. If you think back to one of the great Advent texts in Zechariah 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the full of a donkey, whose chosen humble steed. Um, Let's jump ahead to stanza three. Uh, This is really kind of the great turning point in this hymn. Um, Let me read stanza three to you. Who may ascend Mount Zion's holy hill to do God's will? The one whose unstained hands can meet the law's demands, whose purity within reveals one free from sin. And here, verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 24, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. So that's the person who can ascend and be the king, is the one who is pure. And how is that purity found? Starkey tells us at the end of stanza 3, come praise this king who claims the cross as throne. Praise him alone. So he brings now this Old Testament image of the king coming and puts it on the cross. That's where the throne of Christ is. That's where he rules. It's amazing. Just fantastic. Um, And then verse 4, worthy is Christ, the lamb who was slain, now lives to reign. He rules our earthly ways as Lord of ancient days. Oh, join the endless song sung by the ransom throng. Worthy is Christ, the lamb be praised again. Amen, amen. Psalm 24 starts off with this too. The king is worthy to be praised because he is God Almighty. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. That's the first verse of Psalm 24. Starkey reminds us of that that reigning over all things at the last stanza of his hymn. So a very cool parallel, Jesus is king with Psalm 24. It's just, Quite mm. remarkable how he does it.
0: That last stanza also really resonates with Revelation as well. Mm-hmm. It takes us to Revelation mm-hmm. and, and the, the, yeah. the, uh, well, the, the parousia as well. And speaking mm-hmm. of, should we go on to the yeah. next hymn? Let's, uh, for time's <laughs> sake, sorry to rush. No, um, <laughs> you're just fine. What, this is great. What would you like to go to next?
2: All right, let's talk a little bit about Jesus came, the heavens adoring. This is hymn 353 in LSB. Um, This, I think, is a really cool one to talk about the three comings of Jesus, past, present, and future. Um, Stanza 1 really talks about his first coming, and it draws on themes of peace and redemption that he brings when he comes and he is born in the manger. But it also hits on his death and his humility. Lowly came on earth to die came in deep humility, some of those phrases that are used, and it reminds us that Jesus' first coming was not one of great pomp and circumstance, but rather one of a very humble origin. He lived in humility throughout his life. Um, You know, one's reminded of Paul's word to the Philippians in chapter 2, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus's first coming is one of humility. Now the next three stanzas really unpack what it means that he comes to us today. Stanza two talks about coming with mercy, um, and that mercy is found in our own Christian repentance, our earnest, heartfelt prayer that the hymn writer uh, describes it as. Stanza three, Jesus comes to us today bringing good news, news of sins forgiven. Stanza four, Christ comes to us today and throughout our whole life, sharing alike our hopes and fears, comforting us in failing years. These are his comings Uh, to us today, in this day, in this hour. Again, it's done with humility. It's done um, silently, and it's perceivable only by faith, faith that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. Now you're thinking, okay, there's supposed to be three comings. You've got to two of them, and the hymn is over. Um, But, and I have this on good authority uh, from one of the gentlemen on the hymnal committee, that they forgot to include a stanza. And if you look in the Lutheran hymnal, T.L.H. stanza five, um, there is a fifth stanza to this hymn. (laughs) Let me read it to you. And it's all about the final coming of Christ. Jesus comes on clouds triumphant when the heavens shall pass away. Jesus comes again in glory. Let us then our homage pay. Alleluia. Ever singing till the dawn of endless day. Um, And that really picks up on the Mm -hmm. next portion of Paul's word to the Philippians, right after I stopped reading before, Paul says this, "'Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.'" So when you sing this hymn, you can type in those words from TLH in your bulletin and add a stanza, and you'll get all three comings of Christ <laughs> beautifully, beautifully there for you.
1: There we go. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of an amusing story. Um, we we, we need to half. move on. We have two and a half minutes. <laughs> um, speaking of the the last uh, the the last day, um, judgment, end times. I think the next hymn is probably one of my absolute favorite Advent hymns. Um, uh, let's absolutely. what's what's the next one.
2: Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending, LSB 336. And this one is all about, we'll we'll touch on it briefly. I think this one might be more familiar. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, this is an end times hymn. This is the one I picked for judgment. Um, But the great thing about this hymn is that it's all about the end times only. And it really takes the perspective of judgment from the believer's perspective. So at the end of the church year, sometimes you will sing some of these hymns that have more of a law and gospel dichotomy, where you're, you're focusing both on judgment against the sinner and judgment on behalf of the saved. Here, it's really all about how the believer perceives this end time. Even on stanza two, where it talks about those who set at naught and sold him, pierced and nailed him to the tree, deeply wailing, that's us. We did pierce him. We did nail him to the tree by our sins. But it doesn't say he comes to judge us. It says we wail because we see our Messiah coming. And stanza three tells us that we don't have to fear judgment. Hell, he still has the scars, the tokens of his passion, and he will bear them forever. And he does that to show us that he has borne the, um, the punishment on our behalf. So just... I wish we could spend more time on this hymn. It's fantastic. It's so good. But, it but is. maybe we can get the last one in, too. Okay. Let's do it.
0: We got like half a minute. Sure.
2: 3.42, <laughs> okay. right? 3.42 in 30 seconds. So this is the hope hymn that I've chosen. Um, and this hymn really, in a way, takes us back to the Garden of Eden, what hope in Eden prophesied. Um, you hear about the little child um, that Isaiah talks about playing with the beasts. You hear about the dead stem of Jesse, uh, the stem of Jesus giving birth to new life, and it's the fruit of God's design. Um, Christ's loss is our gain. By his death, a dying world rallies to the cross. And finally, on stanza four, he brings us back to Eden, right where we were at the beginning, but now even better. Um, Leading past the angel's flaming sword, come open heaven's door. So all that was humanity from the very beginning, when we walked with God in perfection in Eden, is given back to us by virtue of Jesus Christ. And in the end, that, I think, is the difference between Advent and another season. Um, Sometimes we talk about Advent and Lent being related because they're about repentance, and that is true. But Advent is drenched with this idea of hope. We repent, yes. We come back and we mourn our sinfulness, yes. But we do so knowing that we receive the forgiveness of Christ and that his coming to us means that we have hope, both in this world and in the world to come.
0: Thank you so much. Matt Mockamer, Associate Cantor, at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Thanks for joining us on The Coffee Hour. I'm Aidy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golzeth.